Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. We just had a beautiful Project Makom Shabbaton this past Shabbos on the Upper West Side. And a lot of things, unfortunately, that these members of Project Malcolm um, are missing or are sort of lacking and have come to us to get help with is to integrate more into the larger world. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do and use in the world that are kosher, but when you get to more insular communities, um, a lot of times it sort of becomes community norm not to do certain things like play ball, you know, follow sports, you know, ride bikes, things like that. So um, it came up over Shabbos that a lot of them want to learn how to play basketball. And I said, me too. Um, even though I was raised not religious, um, I was never so much of the athlete. Um, I have started exercising recently, so I'm getting a little bit more into better shape and not um, totally like losing my breath. Like basically when I was in fifth grade, we would have to walk the mile each year. And when I heard the mile was coming, I would like start like shaking in my boots. The mile is coming. The mile is coming. And um, I would um, like just huff and puff and pant the whole way walking it and then end up in the nurse's office afterwards. Now, I was not like an obese or out of shape kid. I danced, I did gymnastics. I was just very much a drama queen, which is why I probably make videos now and have to direct it towards some sort of positive use. But I was never the athlete, despite the fact that I did have gym class. I did participate in things like softball and tennis and things like that. But I was always the last to be chosen on any sports team in school. It's okay. It helped me build character. Um, but there is, you can play sports um, if you're an Orthodox Jew. Um, there are not too many athletes in the Orthodox world, but there are a few. But another way that um, Jews get involved in sports is, um, well, we have an all-star this year that is a producer on a sports uh, network radio show. And we have here with us today um, an NBA agent who's an Orthodox Jew. His name is Daniel Hazan. Um, he's the founder of Hazan Sports Management. Um, and we actually featured him in, the vid in a video a few months ago with um, the former Knicks player, Chris Smith. So, Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate and, it. And I hope you weren't like, having trouble not laughing while I was giving my intro. But I'm just sort of giving the um, the reason if I don't understand how everything works um, is because I've never really been so into sports. So um, when we spoke to you, um, you know, a few months ago when we interviewed you, uh, you told us kind of some cool things. So number one, uh, you are the youngest NBA agent to sign a um, a player onto the NBA. So can you explain to us like a little bit about um you know, how that happened, how you got into, um, you know, being an NBA agent and, and signed your first player. Sure, sure. So I actually started my sports agency um, in college at Yeshiva University. Um, I, was a, I was a junior in, uh, at Yeshiva University. And obviously, you know, you're sitting through the size synth class, uh, synth classes, uh, you know, in, in the business school at Yeshiva. And, you know, the school did a really good job of really, you know, uh, excited me about, you know, the business world um, to the point that I was still in school and wanted to try and start my own business. So uh, I started my own sports agency um, in my apartment in Washington Heights um, and, uh, you know, signed a couple of players that, um, you know, I thought were, were great basketball players. Um, they ended up not being too good at all. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't know much at, at a young age. And um, I actually, uh, I met this, uh, this person um, who was starting up a basketball, a professional basketball league uh, in a country called Mongolia in Asia. I uh, didn't, never heard, had never heard of the country before in my life, um, but I became the super agent. I became the best agent in Mongolia. I brought all the Americans, all the, 
all the import players to their league and uh, became a Mongolian superstar agent overnight. And, uh, you know, I got a chance to meet with uh, the, the ambassador to Mongolia and the United States and got all these honors and everything. But, um, you know, from there, my senior year at Yeshiva, um, you know, got lucky. I signed a player by the name of Elijah Milfat. Um, he was really the only the only thing I really had that gave me hope, um, you know, to to make my dream come true. And uh, lo and behold, you know, he signed uh, he signed uh, in the NBA on a three year deal with the Utah Jazz. And um, you know, I was the youngest NBA agent to ever sign a player in the NBA. So you know, it was a big accomplishment for for myself. And uh, ever since then, we've negotiated uh, 17 NBA contracts and have wow. grown from there. Our client our client list now is at 21. So you know, thank God we're, um, you know, we're growing, uh, you know, really rapidly. Okay. So, um, I'm curious how you got into your interest in basketball. Um, but maybe first tell me a little bit about, um, how you grew up Jewishly, um, what community, you know, what your Jewish education is. Sure. Yeah, I grew up, uh, you know, in a, in a really Orthodox home. I, my father's a Chazan, uh, at the Moroccan temple in Manhattan. I grew up in Manhattan. Um, you know, uh, Basketball was, uh, you know, a big passion of mine. I love playing basketball. I loved, I love the New York Knicks. So diehard New York, New York Knicks fan. I used to, uh, I used to go to a lot of the games. Um, you know, I used to, uh, you know, I always tell this story. I, you know, I used to stand outside the green canopy outside of Madison Square Garden waiting for autographs. And, you know, I vividly remember one day chasing after, uh, after J.R. Smith and Chris Smith um, after a Knicks game, chasing down the block to get an autograph. And uh, they were in, uh, they each had their own white Range Rover. And it's just crazy how three, three, three years later, I ended up, uh, you know, uh, managing JR, uh, JR off the court and running his marketing, et cetera. And, you know, representing, uh, representing Christmas as, as well. Um, but, you know, everything started uh, uh, out of Manhattan growing up. I used to, you know, on Shabbat, I used to go on the basketball court. I, and, and right after playing basketball, I had to make sure I made it back in time for Mincha. You know, mm-hmm. sounds like my I, son. We're we're still hoping for the mincha part. <laughs> so, I, so I, 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 go ahead. No, so a lot of kids, I think, um, you know, enjoy playing basketball and enjoy following basketball. But something about this um, was more than just sort of um, an interest to you or a hobby. Um, you got this crazy idea that you're going to actually make a career out of this. So, when, how, why? Did it go from, um, I'm just another kid that likes playing basketball, you know, on Shabbos or, you know, um, on a school league to, um, maybe I should start my own company around this. Cause that's a little bit like gutsy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really gutsy and especially in, uh, in a business that you don't really see many agents. Um, there are uh, right now, there are like 750 NBA agents, only 75 of them have a player in the NBA. So you know, to be an agent in the first place is extremely challenging. And to have a player in the NBA um, is even more challenging. You see so many agents who don't even have players and they're not mm-hmm. even active, you know, mm-hmm. being agents. So, you know, the challenges are, are there. But, um, you know, uh, I, obviously, you know, uh, I got my NBA license without even going to law school. Um, at the time mm-hmm. I had it, I, I was still an undergrad. So I got Wait, really explain lucky. to me. Wait, I don't know how this works. What does it mean to have an NBA license? Most people are lawyers that are NBA. Most, yeah. Yeah, they're all cert- they're all lawyers, um, hmm. you know, because a lot of what we do is contract negotiations. At the time when I got my license, I was um, myself and Jay Z were the only two agents without uh, an MBA license. I hmm. mean, without without a law degree, without a law degree. Wow. So, um, 
you know, so how, do you, how do you deal. get the license? What, what does it take to get an NBA license? Like if I want to get one, for instance, do you have to play basketball? Yeah. Well, now the rules are a lot different. They're a lot more, they're a lot stricter than what it was uh, six, seven years ago when I, when I apply for mine, but uh, now you have to take an exam and you need to have certain uh, accolades to be able to do that. I, I took a different approach. My, I wanted to put the NBA in a position where they would do a disservice to athletes if they didn't give me um if they didn't give me a license. So I decided to sign players without them knowing that I was certified in order to go to the NBA and say, Hey, listen, I have players right now. You know, they need representation. Hmm. Like you have to like enforce them to kind of have to give it to me, even though I, I you know, I didn't meet the the requirements. Whoa. Okay. So that's also pretty like a gutsy move. I like it. I like all this stuff. Um, so do you remember the point in time? I mean, you said that you were sitting in Cy Sims and they were telling you how to, you know, be a successful businessman. Was it a teacher that made you think like, Hey, I've always liked basketball. I'm going to now to try to go out in this and create a company. Like, was there a specific moment? Do you remember saying that you want to um, go out and try to do this for as a career? hundred percent. I mean, you know, the, uh, the, the Dean of Sassons at the time was, uh, a man by the name Dean Strauss. And, you know, he was very influential in, uh, you know, helping me getting started, motivating me to, to, you know, pursue my dreams. Um, so he was, he, he was a very, he was very influential, um, in me starting my business, you know, and getting the support from him. Uh, I remember I was, uh, in, uh, uh, sports management class at Yeshiva and, you know, my professor told me, he's like, what you're doing outside of the classroom right now is, you know, way more beneficial than what I could teach you in a classroom. Like, and he would let, you know, he would give me all the tools that I needed and told me, Hey, if you got to go pursue your dreams, you don't even need to come to the classroom. So, um, you know, I really had a lot of support from, from the school as I was going through this. And, and the same goes to many other kids at Yeshiva that, um, you know, that, that are trying to start their own businesses, you know, that, you know, we really um, had a lot of resources and more than anything, a lot of support. So do you remember when you decided to go that you wanted to make this into a business from I like playing and I like being a fan? To- yeah, I was, okay. yeah, I was I was on uh, I was I was in my apartment after school one day and I went on uh, I went on my Facebook and I saw that um, there was a player that I was uh, Facebook friends with um, who played uh, in, in my pe- in my, my mom's from Israel, uh, from Naria. And there was a player that I was friends with on Facebook that um had uh, had played the year before in Naharia in Israel um, in the basketball league. So I, I decided to hit him up and mm-hmm. tell him how much I, I love this game and how talented he was. And he responded back to me. And that kind of gave me that confidence. Hey, these people are regular guys. Like, mm. you know, you could talk to them. And I started, I started, uh, you know, to pitch him on, on me being an agent. Mm. So you started first outside of, of the U.S. It was easier to try to sign someone that was not part of the NBA. It's a little bit of an easier yeah, sell. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it, you have to start with that and kind of work your way up, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you want to build credibility. And that was my main focus was building so, credibility and building up from there. So how much time was it from when you got your first client, this Israeli client, to when you signed your first NBA player? Uh, about a year and a half, two years. Mm-hmm. It was pretty quick. And what did you do to, like, meaning I'm still trying to understand because if anyone listening wants to do this too, we try to like, you know, practical lessons here. What do you do to, um, you know, sort of, if you don't even have a license at that point, so you're pitching them without even official license. So how do you make yourself appealing as an agent to um, a potential client to say, also like maybe even explain for those of us that, you know, don't know sports so well, 
what's the job of the agent? Like, what are you doing for them? And what can you offer them that, you know, another agent might not be able to do? Like kind of what's the sell? Sure. sure. So, I mean, we, we play uh, a lot of roles, um, a lot of roles that I never even expected I have to play like a psychologist or a babysitter. But, um, you know, our main, our main responsibilities as agents, um, you know, is, uh, you know, we, we negotiate contracts for our players. We get them opportunities, um, you know, to, to, to play on teams, whether it's uh, on an NBA roster, whether it's outside of the NBA, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then we do obviously marketing, right? We, mm-hmm. we get them, you know, the sneaker deals, we get them a card deal that, you know, uh, card deals, we get appearances, uh, we build their brands, et cetera, and things like that, like that, mm-hmm. get them on TV, get them PR. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are kind of like the, the, the main responsibilities of an agent for the most part. Um, okay. And uh, what was your second question? I'm sorry. Oh, and then I'm saying, so then how did you, so that, I get you, so you're sort of like a brand ambassador and you're a lawyer, you're kind of doing like a bunch of different things like that. So then what do you, you're this young guy, you have a few Israeli right, clients. Was my pitch? Yeah. How did you do that? Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, you have to find your niche, right? Every person has their own niche. So, you know, some, uh, some agents are former basketball players. So that, that, that's a niche that they, that they pitch to players. Hey, I was a former basketball player. I know what you've gone through. I know what it's like, you know, to be in your position, et cetera. So you've come to them with, with that pitch. Other people come with the, the lawyer pitch, you know, and the, the, you know, their ability to protect their client. You know, I came in, my pitch was my energy. I was young. I was hungry. I wasn't successful. And for me, my pitch was, I'm going to, I'm going to work hard. And most importantly is me and you can, me and my players have relationships that most agents can't have with their players. And that's because of our age. You know, I'm the kind of guy that, you know, everyone laughs about it, that, you know, we'll negotiate a contract and then we'll be in your apartment playing 2k and playing PlayStation and Fortnite, you know, at night. So, you know, the relationship is, is, is uh, something that's really important that you could connect to a player uh, in ways that a lot of people can't. So, you know, everyone's got to find their niche. And, and that was an niche that I found and was able to connect to players. Um, and that was something that was really important. Now, in terms of your Jewishness, um, I know we spoke about in the Chris Smith video that, um, I mean, your relationship with Chris and um, his, you know, seeing your observance and Judaism being worn so proudly inspired him to convert. But it sounds like your Judaism is sort of like very seen and known for all of your players. So do you think that was ever something that sort of maybe at first made people hesitate or do maybe they trust you more because you're, you know, a religious person or how, how does the religion sort of, in, you know, play into the, the career? hundred percent. I mean, I think, I think it's really important uh, for many reasons. I think the number one most important reason is because when you're going through these, the process of accomplishing a dream, whether, you know, you're in the NBA already and you're trying to position yourself to play more minutes so you can make more money or to get into the NBA or whether you're going through in, injuries or not, the, the one deciding factor that helps you get through, um, you know, the tough times is faith. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's something that's really important to articulate to my guys. I don't care what religion you are. Hmm. Faith is the only thing that gets you through, you know, the tough times. And that's mm-hmm. something that's really important. Um, you know, uh, I've heard, I've heard people, parents of kids I'm recruiting tell me that, you know, they were told to associate themselves with Jewish money. Um, and, um, you know, that's something that, that I, I take as a compliment, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I wear my, I wear my faith on my, uh, on my sleeve. And, yeah. um, you know, that's something that, that's, that's really important to me. Um, if you don't, you know, if, if you're going to, if I'm going to represent you, you know, uh, you're going to 
like everything about me and the same way I like everything about you. So um, it's really important for us to articulate that and guys know to respect the Shabbat. Guys laugh about it. You know, guys will send me text messages saying Shabbat Shalom because they think it's, it's funny. But, um, you know, that's something that's really, really important for us. And, um, you know, we haven't had any, uh, I don't think it's had any negative effect on, on our career. This is just a side point because I don't really know nothing about basketball, as I've already said a million times. Someone just sent me a video that the Raptors won and maybe the manager, the owner, held up the trophy and said, Hogba, did you see this, Cliff? No, I didn't. Yeah, so I'll have to send no, it to you. So, but, so the owner? I, I, was told, I was told that they're going to take, they're going to try and take the Toronto, the whole team to Israel or something like that. That's Wait, so told. the owners are Jewish? Uh, the, the minor, one of the minority owners is Jewish, yeah. Okay, and and I guess he must be some amount uh, traditional because when he held up the trophy, he said Hagba. Um, so <laughs> I, I knew what that meant at least. Um, so see, uh, look at me. I am having a go. conversation about basketball and even teaching you something. So there. Um, there okay, go. so now, so what we were here to talk about today, um, because I mean the background stuff is very interesting, and we're getting a little more in depth uh, information than we did in the video since the video was quicker. Um, there is a basketball draft coming up this Thursday, which everyone who knows about basketball is excited about. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, it's the NBA draft. It's on um, Thursday uh, at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Um, what does it mean? I'm like, sure can you I've... explain to us what it means for a player to get signed by the NBA versus a draft? Like, just pretend I know nothing because I sure. don't. And like, what's the difference sure. of like going on this way versus that way? So essentially, there's uh, there's 30 NBA teams right now. Um, every NBA team uh, gets two picks in the draft. Uh, one in the first round, which is the first 30 picks, and one in the second round, which is another 30 picks. The, the, the NBA draft is comprised of only players that have just come out of college just this past year. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you enter the draft and you come out of college, your first year you're in the draft, you can only be in the draft one time. Mm-hmm. Once you once once you uh, um, have entered your draft one time, you're no longer you can never be in the draft again. You could just be signed regularly. Mm-hmm. The draft essentially is 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 the sixty best players coming out of school, coming out of college, um, and obviously the biggest name this year, probably since LeBron James, is a guy by the name Zion Williams Zion Williamson, who is did his shoe break? Did his shoe? Is he the one whose yes. shoe broke? Yes. Yes, he is. Okay. Yes, see, so I he, am following basketball. Okay. So he's project. He's projected to be the number one pick and probably a generational player. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I have a client by the name Quinn Gary Weatherspoon who played at Mississippi State, who is um, entering uh, the draft this year. And you know, all eyes are pointing towards uh, you know, God willing, him uh, him getting drafted as well. So what does it mean? So they. What do you mean he enters the draft and they pick sixty? How many enter? How many get picked? I'm also not clear on this. So nor- normally you, you'll probably get like, well, uh, all senior, anyone who's played four years of college basketball automatically is entered. So you're looking at about like realistically like three to 400 uh, names um, that are entering their name into the draft, but only 60 of them get picked. Uh, but he, they're forecasting because of how well he played versus the other Correct. three to 400 that he looks like he's top Correct. 60. Well, well, what they do is uh, they, they have an event in Chicago um, it's called the NBA Combine, where they invite the 60 best players. The NBA teams vote for the 60 players that they want to see. And he was one of those 60 players I was invited. So oh. that in itself, you know, uh, shows a lot. But, uh, you know, you have uh, a lot of media attention on this. ESPN creates, like, mock drafts. 
and a lot of other websites create mock drafts of like you know where they think player you know them projecting where players are going to go but um and this is based on how well it, they played in their college years like they're collecting how many yeah. like assists it, and how many how well they play it, it's how well they played in their college years it's how it's how well they are playing in their workouts because right now they're working out for teams so my client Quindary is working out today with the Detroit Pistons and tomorrow he's working out with Boston Celtics. So he's worked out for like 20 teams over the last month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of that's based on, you know, your performance in these workouts and your, your college career and, you know, uh, your testing ability, right. Um, when, when he's in Chicago, when he was in Chicago at the NBA combine, they're checking your body fat. They're checking, they're checking how quick you run. They're doing medical testing. They're doing everything to learn about the player because obviously, you know, these teams are about to enter, into multi-million dollar investments in these players they want to do all the research they can about them so um, how long is the you know, deal when they, when they sign when, when when they get drafted like what's the process so they're going to find out their name on, on a list do they find out like which team they go to or just that now he will be in the nba so uh what happens is they're all everyone is at the barclay center and uh you know the the commissioner of the nba adam silver comes out and announces the players one by one mm-hmm and once they once they get chosen, their you know uh, their their money is pretty much slotted, and it's about a four year deal worth about like six six to seven million dollars. Cool. And then how do they get to decide which team they're on? The teams like then kind of. Like, there's an order. Oh, okay. There's an order. So like like the Knicks this year are picking number three, and the New Orleans Pelicans this year are picking number one. So there's an order to to the draft based off of how. Um, based off of your record last year. So if you were a really bad team last year, your odds of be having a higher draft pick are, are far greater than, for example, the Toronto Raptors who just won the NBA championship. So, Oh, so the um, worse you do, the better, the higher you get to choose. Yes, exactly. And, so and if I were an NBA goes, team, it's already slotted. Okay. So if I were an NBA team, I would get a high pick. Cool. Okay, fine. So, um, and what percentage do you have any sense? I'm trying to like do the numbers in my head. What percent? Well, how many players are on a team in the first place? Just to also get that out of the way. Fifteen. Fifteen. So, what percentage of any given team do you think is someone that came from a draft versus someone that was just playing and they got signed later on? Right. So there's oh, there's only 350 players in the NBA as a, as a total, and think about all the thousands and hundreds of thousands of players that you have, and coming out of school and guys who have already been out of school and are playing professionally all over the place, etc. Um, but I would say that roughly you'll have like uh, two to three rookies on every team. Um, you know, guys who are fresh into the NBA and then you'll have the veterans. You have the guys who have already been doing this for a long time. And Wait, you know, so those what, are the guys you really lean on. But so for the guys that, uh, so rookie means that they got drafted. Right. I, this is, I've never known, I've heard rookie in baseball before. There's so much is becoming clear to me now because I never really talk to anyone about this okay for the ones that get signed on from being somewhere else where else are they what are the different places that basketball players could be playing basketball if not the nba before they get signed on right it could be all over the place it could be uh in there's a league in in the united states called the, the nba development league it's like baseball's version of triple a and double a um and the minor leagues and then uh, you have all over the world from the philippines to israel to to China, to Argentina, to Venezuela, to Hong Kong. I mean, everywhere. I mean, there's leagues all over the world, literally. And so how do, so, the, so your players up until now, the, you said you've um, signed 17 players into the NBA. So your players always came from one of these other locations. Uh, no, I mean, a lot, I mean, I've had players playing all over the world. 
um, all across the world. I've had players um, in the United States. So it's really important for me to, you know, uh, maintain a lot of relationships all over the world. And, you know, I currently have a player playing in Puerto Rico in the Philippines right now in Taiwan. Um, you know, so we, we have relationships everywhere and we have our players playing everywhere across the globe. So what will this mean for your career, for your company, if God willing, um, Quinn, Derry Witherspoon, I know his name, right? That's how I said it, right? Like, what will that yeah, mean? Yeah. If, yeah. What does that mean if he gets uh, uh, drafted? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a big accomplishment for us. You know, obviously, like, you know, we're already six years into the business and, um, you know, to get to this point in our career, you know, we haven't had, you know, we haven't had a player of this caliber, um, you know, that we've represented and gone through the whole process with. So for us, it'd be a dream come true. Um, you know, it's just another thing on our bucket list, you know, to check off, you know, my big, my, one of my biggest goals in my career was to get a player in the NBA. I was able to check that off. I, another goal was to sign a player on the New York Knicks. I was able to check that off. So, you know, we have our own goals that we keep on setting and we want to keep on growing and, you know, to, to get a player drafted, uh, and NBA is definitely one of our, our biggest goals and, um, you know, biggest accomplishment for us. And, uh, you know, to potentially be the first, uh, you know, Israeli um, to, uh, to, to get a player drafted, um, I think is a big accomplishment for me. It's something I'm really proud of. Very cool. And what, what's next? I'm saying once you do this, every time you uh, hit a new uh, goal, there's got to be the next goal that you're looking towards. Have you thought about, you know, what the next goal might be? Do it again next year. <laughs> And there, I are there. There must be certain agents that they become sort of so popular that that the 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 top players in college automatically want to go to them, automatically want to get reps. I'm saying that mm -hmm. is there like a certain number where this is like? Would you say how, how many are sort of like the top of the top in terms of um you know sort of having drafts every year? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's three agencies that control probably 85 percent of the NBA. Mm -hmm. Um, so. You know, there's there's lots of challenges of having to grow, but again, it's 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 something that you add to your portfolio, something that you add to your resume. That hey, uh, you know, when you start meeting with and recruiting more players, they're like, oh, okay, you had success, you you've done this before, you got a player in the NBA. Okay, now I, now I feel more comfortable working with you. Oh, I saw what you did with Quindary Weatherspoon. Now I feel more comfortable. So you know, um, you know, this is definitely really big for us because you know, in this business, everything is like a domino effect. Once you get one. It just keeps on coming, keeps on coming. So, um, you know, uh, it's, this is definitely something really big for us. Oh, Quindary's one word. I thought his name was Quinn Derry. No, Quindary. Quindary Weatherspoon. Yep, Got it. Now go. I see it written yeah. down. Um, okay. And then what time of day is the is the draft? 7 p.m. 7 p.m. So, so Tihi Leem are going to be being said? Yes, there's a lot of Tihi Leem, a lot of Misha Bayrock that we're doing right now. Uh, I think it's, I think the Hebrew date is Yud Zion, uh, Cheshvan, Yud Zion definitely is, is the day. So we have it in our office on a whiteboard, Yud Zion. We have uh, the rabbis that come in and they give our tours in our office every Friday. We're doing a lot of Mishaberach, so a lot of praying going on right now. Amazing. Well, um, we wish you much, much Hatzlacha um, in, uh, in this first draft, please God, and in future drafts. And has Quinn Derry, has he gotten to experience anything Shabbat related yet, or is he too far away? Um, he's been, you know, he's been, he's been uh, training uh, out in Phoenix, and he's been doing a lot of his uh, traveling, etc. Um, you know, Q uh, has, it comes from the South in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, I never thought I'd ever be in Mississippi in my life, yeah. um, but I definitely spent a lot of time out there uh, this year recruiting him. Um, 
I, I think a lot of a lot of a lot of Judaism is very foreign to him. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, for example, I tell him, "Hey, I'm not going to be by my phone. I'm going to temple." I mean, that's as far as the extent yeah. that uh, I've I've had discussions with him about about religion. But uh, it. it'll, it'll, I'll definitely start educating him a, a little bit more on it once uh, once the draft passes. Okay, well, Hatzlacha, and uh, we look forward to good news. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thanks so much. And you can catch us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye.